1: Madly in love. That's what we're talking about. We did last week and we're doing this week and we should be doing it next week. At least that's our plan. You say, what do you mean madly in love? Well, there's actually a phrase we use for it. It's called limerence. And we're going to be talking about the middle phase or the second phase of limerence today. Now, it's really interesting as to what occurs there. So if you are, quote, madly in love with someone else or... Unfortunately, if you're in a relationship, say like a marriage, and your spouse is madly in love with somebody else, you really want to hear what we have to say today, because we'll help you understand this to a very deep degree, right here today on our Facebook Live
0: program. Hey everyone, glad that you're joining us today on Marriage Helper Live. My name is Kimberly Holmes, and I'm here with Dr. Joe Beam. How are you, Joe?
1: <laughs> My big toe hurts. I have this crazy disease called gout. So if every once in a while during this, you hear me go, ouch, it's because my toe hurts and I moved it the wrong way. You
0: heard that right. His big toe hurts. Isn't it funny how there's these small parts of our body like an ACL or a tendon or a toe and you don't notice them until they hurt?
1: Yeah, well, when they do, you notice them with every <laughs> you breath you take.
0: That they're all important. We need to keep all of it healthy. No, that's good. So yesterday, or not yesterday, but last week rather, we started this conversation, this topic deep dive, so to say, into these three different phases of limerence because people go crazy wanting to know everything they can about limerence because when they find out that their husband or their wife is in love with someone else, they're involved with someone else. They're looking for answers. They're looking for peace. They're looking for solutions. They're looking for, well, I guess, you know, there's just this part of us as humans who we want to know why.
1: Yeah, I think so. And particularly since Freud, not that I've been alive since Freud, but particularly since Freud, where that Freud looked into the psyche and said, this is probably why this person does this and this person does that. And then it kind of over time, filtered into everything into the novels, yeah. television shows, movies. And so we've gotten to the point where people want to know why, and they think that we always know why. Well, we don't, but, But when it comes to limerence, this feeling of being, quote, madly in love, end quote, we can give you some principles that are applicable and help you to understand some things about it. Now, as we enter into this, please hear this well. If your spouse or the person that you're in love with is in limerence with someone else and you start hearing this information, you're going to want to go to him or her and say, let me tell you what's going on with you. You're not really in love. It's limerence. And and then you'll start trying to explain limerence. Please don't do that. Because if you do, it's going to work against you. First of all, you'll convince them that it's not Limerick's. Therefore, if they get to work with somebody like us, who really can help them understand what's going on, uh, we won't be able to because they'll be so prejudiced against it because they're defending themselves against you. And secondly, the fact that even though we're going to explain it in much greater detail today, will not make you an expert on it. There's so many different nuances of it. So please learn. If it's about you, please learn. If it's about your spouse, please learn. But don't try to teach the other person this at this point, because that's probably going to work against you.
0: Yes. I hope more than anything that what people take away from this podcast, if you're listening to it later or this show, if you're watching it live is what they can do for them when their Mm -hmm. spouse is in limerence. And it's helpful to understand what your spouse is going through. But as Joe said, not just for you to teach them or you to shove it in their face or you to try and stop them, All those kinds of things are going to backfire. But simply, most of all, is a way to say, I'm not alone.
1: Exactly. You'll understand that the situation may appear to be unique, and in in some sense it is, and that everybody Mm -hmm. is different. But the general principles here are applicable across the board. They happen to a lot of people.
0: They sure do. They sure do. So in brief summary, what happened last week? If people are just now joining for the first time, last week we talked about Stage 1 Of limerence, which we call the infatuation Infatuation. Uh stage. That's right. So, again, if we think of limerence as this journey that someone goes on or kind of like a roller coaster, then this infatuation is the first part that leads to the build up, so to say, Mm -hmm. of these feelings um, where they're going in and out of having feelings, wondering if they should or shouldn't be doing this, Mm -hmm. feeling guilty, not feeling guilty. But it's these strong feelings that keep pulling them back to this other person.
1: That's correct. And to some degree, in that relationship with the other person, they are finding some kind of uh, approval, uh, even a validation of self-worth, if you will. And and they find themselves anxious about the attachment to the other person. What I mean by that is they have this keen, deep, deep longing for emotional reciprocation. I want you to feel the intense emotions toward me that I feel toward you. It's a longing for possession, if you'll allow me to use that phrase, meaning I, I really want it just to be the two of us against the world. and it leads to Hyper vigilance, which is I'm now watching everything he or she does. And anytime I see anything that I think is a sign whether it's in reality or my perception, if I see a sign that he or she's reciprocating, yes, you feel toward me like I feel for you. We have this deep, strong, emotional connection with each other. I tend to go into ecstasy, emotions that are amazing. And if through my hypervigilance, I begin to think of you as pulling away from me, whether you really are or I'm just perceiving that you are, I can go into these depths of depression like, oh, my goodness, you can't leave me. You don't understand how strong this need is for you in my life. I love you with all of my heart. I want you to love me back. And all that's happening in this first phase, we call the infatuation phase. And what Kimberly was referring to is, if I'm married, for example, and I'm falling into this with another person, often I'll try to pull out, but because of the fact we're being so open and transparent and vulnerable with each other, me as the limerent, if you'll let me use that phrase, and he or she as the limerent object, I'll just call that the LO at this point, if you will, then he or she knows how to pull me back, not because they're wicked or evil. I don't mean that, but because they have such a strong emotional connection to me. And so it's kind of three steps forward, two steps back, it wiggles. It's not a straight line as I'm going in through this infatuation stage. And somewhere toward the end of the infatuation stage, I go into a thing called crystallization. That's the phrase that we have given to it, crystallization. And some things are going to start happening toward the end of this first phase, infatuation, and definitely into the second phase, crystallization. And that's what we'll talk about today.
0: Yes, this crystallization phase. And as Joe alluded to last week as well, is that if you have found out that your husband or your wife is having an affair, then this is typically the point where you find it out. Is that often. correct?
1: That's often the case. Not always, but often the case.
0: Mm-hmm. So in this phase, what, what is it? Define what it is.
1: Okay. Now, in this particular phase, understand that if, if you're the person who is married to someone who has gone into a limerick relationship with another, then it's for you to understand. But we know that X number of people who are watching this are actually feeling this themselves right now and maybe trying to understand more about their own emotions, why they feel what they feel, how they feel it, etc. Now in this stage, it's like, okay, the infatuation stage was three steps forward, two steps back, and and maybe I shouldn't be in this, but it feels so good because I want this emotional connection with the other person. And in the crystallization phase, I believe that he or she is responding. In other words, he or she has the emotional connection with me that I want. Now it doesn't do away with the hypervigilance. What I mean by that is I'm still super sensitive, hypervigilant is the word I use, super sensitive to any signs of um, reciprocity. In other words, he or she really does love me like I love him or her and any sign of potential rejection like, oh, my goodness, he or she's pulling away. And so some of the characteristics here, and let's just kind of talk about these. I'll throw a bunch of them out and then you got us back through which ones to talk about would be a a strong sense of uh, jealousy like I I don't want you to have any relationship with anybody else that I think might be threatening to our relationship. So Mm -hmm. that becomes, these people become very possessive, very jealous. It's also um, the point that I begin to think, wow, I don't know if I could actually exist without you because this thing is so strong. It's so powerful that I'm thinking I, I I have to have you from my life because I've never felt this way about anyone before. And then if you're in a relationship with somebody else, say, like you're married to a husband or wife, um, then you can do some of the following kinds of things. Now, not everybody does all of these, but I'll mention them very quickly. One is vilification. Mm -hmm. Vilify is a fancy way of saying I make a villain out of. And so if I'm in limerence with Sally Sue and I'm married to Alice, then most people in crystallization, not everybody, but most will then begin to, um, exacerbate whatever flaws and weaknesses exist in Alice. Mm-hmm. I'm vilifying her. I, I no longer am thinking about anything good about her. It's only My mind's only seeing things that justifies my leaving her. I'll then go into a halo effect, which is started over toward the end of phase one, a halo effect toward the LO, my lover, where that I cannot see any flaws in him or her. Mm-hmm. It's like because I feel positive about him or her, everything about him or her is positive. And if I'm forced to see some of the flaws in that person, I minimize them like uh, other people think that's a big deal. I know that it's not. And then often if like, if you're in a relationship with somebody else, you start um, rewriting history. So if I'm in limerence with Sally Sue and I'm married to Alice, I'll begin to in my mind rewrite my history with Alice. Now, not because I'm consciously doing this, This all to kind of back here, and what's happening to me is that my mind actually gets to the point where it can only remember things about Alice where she is flawed and every human being is flawed and those get exacerbated. And my mind actually stops remembering any of the positive emotions I felt toward her. Mm. So if somebody were to ask me, uh, well, when you first fell in love with Alice, I'd go, oh, I've never been in love with Alice. Even if it was documentation, even if I wrote love songs to her, It will be, no, I've never been in love with Alice because my mind actually rewrites that history and I can't remember good things about him or her. Well, there are more of the things instead, uh, well, not instead, there are the things in addition to those, but that kind of gets us started in understanding, oh, and the last thing, you're still doing this. (laughs) You'll go between ecstasy and misery, ecstasy and misery, and that's based on the fact when you think he or she's reciprocating your deep emotional connection, then you're, in heaven. And when you think he or she's pulling away, whether that's in reality or perception it's miserable, like, Oh my goodness. And sometimes you'll actually see physical manifestations like chest pains, a uh, rapid heartbeat, um, anxiety, depression, all kinds of things that happen when I feel like the other person pulling away that go just the opposite. When I feel like he or she is responding to me like this, this is amazing. Nobody's ever felt like this. Mm. I threw out a whole bunch of stuff in a hurry there, so how would we like to address those things?
0: Well, from a lot of what you said, it sounds like many of them can be summed as the mind is powerful, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take the path that leads you to feeling not guilty about this. Mm -hmm. So the rewriting history, the um, exacerbating the things about your spouse that you like, or you don't, you know, you the things like. you don't mm-hmm. like and mm-hmm. minimizing maybe the things you do like all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff is, it's kind of like the mind's way of coping.
1: Exactly. Because if, if your belief in value system is say you're married, say I'm married to Alice. Mm-hmm. My belief in value system is you don't cheat on your wife. You don't do all these. And, but now I'm involved with Sally. Sue, so where I am cheating on my wife. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing people typically do is called compartmentalized thinking. What that means is, I don't let those two things touch each other. And, and as long as I cannot think about them both at the same time, I don't mm-hmm. feel a particular amount of guilt. But you can't keep them apart forever. And so when finally they come into conflict with each other, this is my belief in value, and this is what I'm doing in contradiction to my belief in value, you go into this thing called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive means it's happening up here. Dissonance means disharmony. I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. And so your brain is not a conscious thing of, Hmm, I think I will exacerbate the flaws in my spouse. So I feel better about myself. That's not it. Or I think I'll exacerbate the good things about my lover so that he or she, in comparison to my spouse, there's no comparison at all. This person is like my soulmate, this amazing person. These are not things that people sit down and plan out. It's not a strategy that's done consciously. As you just said, It's basically my brain trying to protect me from feeling Mm -hmm. such cognitive dissonance, disharmony. In other words, this is miserable for me. Mm -hmm. And my brain's trying to get away out of the misery. Mm -hmm. And there's only two ways to do this. Either I stop doing the things in contradiction to my belief and value system and go back to it. Mm -hmm. Or I modify my belief and value system to make this okay. Mm -hmm. Each way, whichever one I do is trying to get me out of that. Misery of trying to decide between the two.
0: Hmm. So we at Marriage Helper know limerence, and so when we see a couple that comes to us and this is what's going on, we can identify this pretty quickly. I'm going to throw you a curveball.
1: Oh, curve! I love curves.
0: <laughs> you when, throw I, when I played baseball, I me. could
1: never hit a curve. <laughs> so let's let's see where this goes.
0: We'll see where this goes. Okay. So. In, Because I'm just trying to think of another type of situation. So many people, when their marriage is in a despair like this, they typically go to a counselor. Mm -hmm. If a counselor who didn't know about limerence was to see a couple in this state right now, what do you think that assessment of it would be? What do you think the counselor's assessment of it would be? And what do you think they would typically say to a couple in this kind of situation?
1: Well, if we're going to base it off of what we hear from people, Mm -hmm. and not just one or two, but person after person after person after person yes. after person. Most counselors or therapists have never been trained about limerence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm often invited, I'm often maybe wrong, occasionally invited at least, uh, to come to different counseling centers where they have like 10, 15, 20, 25, even 30 counselors working out of a center and to teach them about this thing called limerence. And it's kind of amazing to me when I go do that, that those counselors will have earned their degrees at different universities. They didn't all go to the same school, like one went over here, one went over there, one went over there, one went over there, all around America. And yet none of them have heard of this thing called limerence. As a matter of fact, I even had one counselor say to me, well, I don't think it really exists. And I go, have you looked at the research? I mean, there's tons of research out there about this. It actually does exist and it is an identifiable kind of love is an identifiable emotion and we can identify it because it has several characteristics and we say, Oh, that's what's going on here. We can even identify about how long it's going to last, uh, based on some good research that's out there about that. Now individuals might change a little bit, but you understand that. So what we hear, well, you tell them what we hear. What do they tell us? The counsel- What do people tell us their counselors said in these situations?
0: Probably my favorite one, Favorite. my favorite was the counselor who said, well, since your spouse is in love with someone else, that's who they're meant to be with. And therefore you, the wife are now the other woman and you shouldn't be trying to save this marriage
1: because you're breaking up this relationship.
0: (laughs) You're breaking up. It is the, I mean, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. So maybe favorite is the wrong word to use here.
0: Right. Maybe the one I that, didn't love that it happened. <laughs> no. But the craziest, absolutely. The one the that makes thing. you
1: the angriest. The ones you. Right. You go. How in the world?
0: Insane. But the reason I'm asking the question is because most people, that's their first line of defense. If this is what's happening in their marriage, they're going to a counselor. And so what I'm wanting people to glean from our conversation is, the, limerence may have been what's going on, or may be what's going on in your marriage, but a professional may not see it that way. This is why it's important to know these symptoms, these signs, what to look for. And most of all, to know that it doesn't mean that you've lost hope. There's still always hope for your marriage, but just because someone might look at that and say, well, it looks like your wife is happier with this other person. Therefore you don't need to break that up.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the most ridiculous things we've ever heard yet. Just a couple of days ago, one of our client reps said that this couple had already signed up enrolled for one of our three day intensive workshops and then called back to our client rep and said, well, our counselor said we shouldn't go because it's obvious my husband's in love with this other woman. Therefore there's no hope. I should just accept it and move on with my life. Now you might be saying, well, wouldn't that be true? I mean, isn't he going to go be with that other woman if he's madly in love with her right now? He might, but that's not likely what's going to happen. You say, what do you mean? Well, the second phase finally comes into a third phase we'll talk about next week. Limerence, that intense feeling of love for this other person, is not going to last a lifetime. As a matter of fact, it's not going to last years and years and years. Most of the people that I have seen and worked with, it hasn't lasted as much as three years. By the end of the third year, it's pretty well over. Now, we could tell you all the research behind that, and if Kimberly wants to ask questions about it, we will. But uh, if you think about it, it's a biological necessity that it ends. In other words, it's built into us for survival because that intense level of emotion toward another person is extremely detrimental to productivity. Now think back when most people weren't having jobs in offices, think about the human race that, that we're primarily hunters, gatherers, we're agrarians, which means that we're growing crops here, there and everywhere. And when productivity stops with people that have to actually bring the meat back for the table or, or the crops in for us to eat or to can those crops so we can eat them later in the wintertime, et cetera, et cetera. If, if there's a great big lack of productivity when culture is society is dependent upon that, then decides that, the society begins to die. In other words, people begin to die because we don't have enough to feed everybody. So if you look at it from that standpoint, it's a biological necessity that it ends. It's built into us. And, and people don't have that level of intense emotion where that for the rest of their lives, they're hypervigilant. So that anytime it appears that you're reciprocating, I'm in heaven, it's ecstasy. And anytime you appear to pull away from me, I'm in absolute misery, even having chest pains or anxiety or other manifestations when they do that. That can't last a lifetime because that's untenable. If if it started and then stayed like that for the rest of their lives, people would go crazy. You can't live like that forever. And the productivity goes to zilch, zip at some point. Therefore, it has to end. It always has to end. Mm -hmm. And if a marriage counselor were to say, well, no, your husband's madly in love with her. Therefore, you're the other woman now, wife, and you need to get out and let them be happy then this counselor obviously has no understanding of the fact that that intense level of connection is not going to last. Mm-hmm. And what we point out to people is this, you, you're making a decision thinking you're going to feel this ecstasy right. when even right now you're not feeling that ecstasy every day. You're feeling that ecstasy when you're hypervigilant says the other person's responding positively. You're feeling misery when you think he or she's not reciprocating. You already experienced that. So um, if you think that you're going to finally just get to ecstasy and stay at ecstasy for the rest of your life, it's not happening now. It won't happen in the future. It's going to be like this until finally it goes like this. And so we tell people you're making decisions about your future Mm -hmm. based on an emotion that you feel sporadically right now Mm -hmm. that you think you're going to feel that for the rest of your lives. Think about it this way. And this is what we often say to people before you make a life, changing decision. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to divorce you and marry you. Before you make a life changing decision, ask yourself this question, what would my life be like if this person goes away? Now, if you're thinking, Oh no, he or she never will go away. They'll be here forever. I understand how you feel. So first, let's start this way. Let's say, God forbid, they're in a plane that goes down. I hope that doesn't happen to anybody ever again in history, but let's just say they, they die unexpectedly and you've made a life decision, changing your relationship with your current spouse, changing your relationship with your children. So I still have great relationship with my children. If you're not living with them, you don't have the same relationship you had before. Admit that you really don't have exactly the same situation you had before. You have changed it. And so if you start changing these relationships with spouse, children, friends, church, whatever you're part of to be with this person and he or she goes away, Are you going to be happy with the decisions that you've made? Now, even though you likely do not believe what I'm about to say, this is going to end. It always does. It always does. I mean, the research is ample. It's out there. At some point, it's going to go away. Now, it's still going to be like this. It's never just like zoom, zoom, zoom. It's still going to be up and down and back and forth and those kinds of things. But it's not going to be the same that it is right now. It's not. And, and that's when often these people don't wind up marrying each other Mm -hmm. It's because one or maybe both, but at least one starts looking around going, look at all I've given up for you. Mm -hmm. Look, look for all those things I had, I no longer have because of you. And in that situation, then it's like, wow, I made this decision and and I don't, I don't have what I thought I was going to have from this. So therefore the question is before you make a life changing decision because of what you're feeling right now, Ask yourself the question, what will my life be like if I make that decision and he or she goes away?
0: So couldn't you say, though, especially someone who's in this phase of limerence, couldn't they say, well, yeah, but that's the same thing I did when I chose to get married. I made a lifetime decision based on how I felt at the moment, Mm -hmm. which is now where I am. Mm -hmm. So couldn't they use that same logic to say, just like you're saying I shouldn't be making this decision now. What if I wasn't supposed to make that decision then
1: I'm not saying they're not supposed to make the decision. I'm saying they have to make the decision. Mm -hmm. All right. If, if a person and not every couple that gets married goes through limerence, Mm -hmm. many do, many don't. They actually develop a relationship that never goes through the limerence phase. But let's say when you got married the first time you were two single people and you went through limerence and you wound up married to each other. You see what happens when you get into this deterioration phase, and we'll really talk more about that next week. But when you get into that deterioration phase is when you start counting what you've given up to be with this person. Now, if you were two single people and you really didn't give up anything other than your singlehood, Mm -hmm. then most people aren't looking back going, Oh my goodness, I can't believe all I gave up for you. Some do, Mm -hmm. but the majority do not. In this situation, I'm married to this person. I'm married to Alice. I get involved with Sally Sue. I divorce Alice to be with Sally Sue. Sally Sue then has some things that she loses to be involved with me. Let's say she divorces her husband to be with me, or let's say that Sally Sue was single, but now she loses relationships with people that matter to her because they're not happy with the fact that she Mm -hmm. took, she took me away from my wife, that kind of thing. In other words, in a relationship where that one Or both are married or in a committed relationship to the other, then there's always damage, Mm -hmm. always damage to other relationships. Mm -hmm. That's why these people tend to pull away from each other. It's like, look what you cost me. Mm -hmm. Could two single people, could one of them do that? Actually, we see that sometimes. Look what you cost me. But in this situation, almost all of them do. It's like when it starts deteriorating, it's like, I don't feel this intensity anymore. I don't, I don't experience this ecstasy anymore. I'm not feeling that. Mm. And, and now I'm thinking about what I've given up, what I've lost to be with you. And that's why the majority of them never get married. Mm. If I divorce this one for that one, because of limerence, the likelihood is I'm not going to marry that one at all. Right. And if I do, well, first of all, second marriages already have a divorce rate of uh, two thirds, two out of three. First marriage is one out of two, second marriage is two out of three. So already statistically the odds against me, uh, third marriage is three out of four. Interestingly, but this one actually goes higher than two out of three. It's because, um, I'm, these thoughts I had about you with this halo effect, where I thought you were absolutely amazing and had little to no flaws. I now see those flaws and everybody is flawed. And I'm also counting the cost of what it costs me. And that's why even if they do marry, which is pretty rare, if they do marry, the likelihood of divorce is extremely high.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about that more next week as well. Mm -hmm. But in this phase, so we call it crystallization. And because really during this phase, you're crystal, the person who's in it is crystallizing, hardening, their feelings for this person. They're looking for what's going to lead them down the path towards getting with the person, being with the person, and they're going to get rid of everything in their life, holding them back from being with that person.
1: Very good way to say that, because in the first phase, they still vacillate. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. We can't clearly delineate. boom, boom. That's when it entered phase two. But somewhere around here where they start going to phase two, that's exactly what's happening. That's a very good description of that.
0: And so what they're chasing, like you're saying, is this ecstasy. It's this feeling, which part of me wants to say, isn't that the problem with society today? But really, if you look back in history, we always chase our feelings.
1: Yeah, but I think there have been times in history where that uh, the culture itself had expectations of you do the right thing mm-hmm. even when your emotions are against that. Mm-hmm. And so people would figure out how to fix things. Mm-hmm. For example, even today, the countries that have arranged marriages where people don't, don't do the dating and picking out which one I'm going to marry and that kind of stuff. The family picks who you're going to marry and they try to pick somebody they think fits, et cetera, et cetera. The divorce rates nearly zero. I mean, it's very low, not, not zero, but it's much, much, much lower yeah. in those countries than ours because they marry with the whole idea of yep. we're going to learn how to be in love with each other. We're going to learn how to make this a good relationship. Whereas when you thrive it mostly or almost all together on emotions, mm. which is what we do in America. Mm-hmm. Emotions change. Yep. And when they change, you go, Oh my goodness, this is not working. I don't think I'm going to stay with it. So I do mm-hmm. think in history, we have reached a time. Well, we started actually about 50 years ago, maybe more than that. It was the 1960s. That's 40, 50, 58 years ago <laughs> that it began to change in this country. It's like all about what I feel right now. Mm -hmm. And without stopping to think, but I'm not going to feel tomorrow. It may, may not feel tomorrow what I feel today. And I'm certainly not going to feel the exact same things five years from now. So either feelings deepen, Mm -hmm. not ecstasy, but deepen or they fade. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, and limerence is not about deepening. It's about ecstasy.
0: Right. And this goes It definitely applies here to limerence and that's what we're talking about. But no matter what the situation is in your marriage, you're going to have days where you feel in love, days where you feel excited, ready to do this, and days where you don't. And so it's this thought. So even if you're the spouse who's married to the one in limerence, you're going to have feelings of wanting to make it work, wanting to do everything to save it, and then other days feeling Like, it's a loss. Like, it's hopeless. Like, why would you stand for this?
1: Yeah, you get on an emotional roller coaster, too. That's right. That's a good point. That's excellent.
0: You absolutely do. But the point of all of this, even as we're talking about the spouse in crystallization and the spouse who's hopefully standing for the marriage, is that ultimately you need to choose to not lead... You, you need to choose to not let your feelings lead you, but to you lead your feelings.
1: Yeah, as much as is humanly possible. Right. Absolutely. But as you know, still some days you're on that. Mm-hmm. But you're, that's a very good point, Kimberly, that for the spouse that's standing for his or her marriage, they're going to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Similar in some sense to to limerence, but not, definitely not limerence. And that when you think your spouse is responding positively to you, mm-hmm. you go up here. And when you think that, that he or she's pulling further away from you, you go down here. I haven't really thought about that in those terms before, but that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. So how do you be that constant? How can you be consistent when your spouse's emotions are everywhere, your emotions are everywhere, you're wanting to make this work, your spouse is doing everything to villainize you, to hate you? I mean, what can you do?
1: Yeah, I can say really mean things to you, all those kinds of things. I think it's probably almost impossible to do by yourself. Mm. because of the fact, well, I mean, some people are that strong and they can, mm-hmm. and, and I admire the ones who can do that, but most people aren't that strong. Unfortunately, most of the help that people get are from people that give them very bad advice. Mm-hmm. So it might be your friends and family saying, you just need to divorce this idiot and move on with your life. Be free of him. Be free of her because you deserve to be happy. And this person is scum. And that's why we regularly tell people mm, probably not a good idea <laughs> to listen to your friends and families, not because they're bad people. But because they love you so much, they're going to give you bad advice because they're mad at this person who hurt you. Mm -hmm. So it's better to listen to professionals. But then the second thing, it needs to be a professional who uh, understands what we're talking about because the wrong professional will actually hasten the ending of your marriage. Like you just need to give up or you just need to accept the fact that he or she feels what he or she feels. Mm. We would agree with that. You need to accept what he or she feels or what he or she feels, but that does not necessarily mean that you need to give up because those feelings at some point will change. So mm-hmm. even the wrong professional is going to do damage and lead to the ending of your marriage. We've said many times, really good marriage counselors are worth their weight in gold. We love them. Mm-hmm. And there's some as we actually send people to if, if those people live in the area where those counselors are. The ones that don't understand this and say, well, we just need to do what makes both of you happy right now, do more damage than good. And, and if, and if they don't agree with that, I'd love to have one come on the radio. We're not doing radio, Ari, come, (laughs) come on Facebook live and actually debate us about that. We'd be happy to do that. You understand that none of this is just clean and easy. None of it is. This is all complicated, but people, Like us, for example, and forgive me if this sounds like a commercial, but the people that work with us are all, okay, we understand how you feel. Many of the people who lead, for example, our intensive workshop for marriages in in trouble have actually been through this, have actually experienced it. So they understand it, not just the social science and psychology behind it, but they live through it,
0: Mm.
1: one of which is me. And other people that work with us have had marriage problems and difficulties, and we look at it and go, yeah, you might wind up divorced, but we can show you how to do the things. And if you're in this emotional state where you're doing this, no, I'm talking about the spouse standing for the marriage doing this, mm-hmm. then having some calm guide mm. who can say, you calm down. Yep. <laughs> this is the thing you do next. This is the thing you do next. We cannot guarantee. We will not guarantee it'll save your marriage. Mm-hmm. Those people on the internet that guarantee they can save your marriage are liars. We do not guarantee it will save your marriage, but we'll tell you that if anything works, this will, if anything works this will and, and our success rate is three out of four couples. So we know that it really does work. Now, if you don't want to do work with us, that's fine. You find the people that you want to, it's your choice, but it's gotta be somebody who understands this and can guide you on how to be calm and what you do next and who understands your spouse and what it is he or she's feeling. Or, or if you're watching right now saying, wait a minute, but I'm the one in limerence. I'm trying to understand me. I would extremely uh, encourage you, come to of our three day intensives because in all likelihood, the person leading the workshop has been right where you are knows exactly what you're feeling because he or she has felt it. And if you ever want to be in a place where that somebody understands you, not going to be judgmental, not going to be condemning, but understands you. And at the same time, teaching some really good principles, then that's what you'll hear from our folks.
0: Mm, that's absolutely right. You know, Joe, I think one of the hardest things for the spouse standing during this phase of crystallization is being calm.
1: Yeah, sure. It's hard to do.
0: So hard to do, even from being calm as in they've left. I was just talking with someone this past week, about a week ago, who um, she contacted me and she said, he he's leaving right now. He's leaving right now. What am I supposed to do? And my only response and guidance back to her was there's nothing you can do right now. In this moment, there's absolutely nothing you can do that's going to make him stay. Right. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because you have right now, the only thing you can do is be strong, be calm, be gentle. Don't try and bar the door. Don't try and stand in front of it. Don't grab his heels as he's running out. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was running, but (laughs) (laughs) don't do any of that. But now you have time. This is where the real work starts of working on your pies. Like we teach over and over being that strong person. You're going to have other opportunities to interact with him. Mm -hmm. It doesn't all have to happen today.
1: Right. It's when you think you've got to fix it all in the moment that you tend to do dumb things. You can't do it. Yeah. It's got to be a longer picture, a longer view
0: not Mm -hmm. just what's
1: happening at the moment, but a longer view. Now, understand this. um, Sometimes you'll say, but wait a minute, now his or her limited affair is over and he or she still hasn't come back home. Well, we don't have time to talk about that today, but we can help you understand why there's a general principle I'll put in front of you and we'll talk more about it in future programs, which is this. People don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. People Mm -hmm. don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. Now, if, he or she is leaving you for that other person is because in their minds, the relationship with the other person is better. I know that hurts, but that's what they're thinking or feeling at the moment. And when that ends, they may have so vilified you and so rewritten history Mm -hmm. that when that other relationship ends, they're not immediately coming back to you because in their mind they've worked it out where that you're not the person they should be with. And they may even see being alone as being better than being with you. That's why there's a system that works over time. Because people have often said, well, if, if that other person just got hit by a truck, everything would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's still going to be a process. Even if that other person suddenly dies of a heart attack, mm-hmm. there's still going to be a process of getting this person back to you. And yeah. and that's why we look to the long view, yeah. the process. These are the things to do. These are the ways to do them. And understand that if anything works, this will. Yeah. And as we've said, the people that come to our workshops, three out of four of them actually do work it out and eventually get back together. Some, even by the end of the workshop, mm-hmm. some a few weeks later, some a few months later, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So, even if you think about even this word crystallization, something that has crystallized, I don't know if you've ever had honey that's crystallized I in, in the jar. So, if you don't, If you don't eat it quick enough, which doesn't typically happen in my house, but it can, um, it crystallizes. It kind of starts coming together and it's hard and you have to heat it in order to loosen it to get it back to its point. But if you put all of it in a saucepan and put it all the way on heat all at once to try and make it happen, it burns. Oh,
1: I love that illustration. That's excellent.
0: You have to put it on slow and low and let it simmer and slowly start to melt. Which is what we're doing here. I like that. That's very good. Oh, it's brilliant. I just thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so good.
1: That's so, why you had an organization right. and I don't. You're smarter than I am. This is I great. I have
0: analogies once every three weeks. That's but a great one.
1: It's, it's a process. It's a process. They are hard. Yeah. And they're going to do some things that really hurt you because they mm-hmm. are hard. But there's a process that can...
0: Soften them. I like this. But, but if, if you, you
1: sh- try to do it too fast... It'll burn. I like it a lot.
0: It'll burn. And while you can still melt, even after it's been burned, it's never going to get that taste out. There's still going to be damage that's been done that you can't undo. Well, that will
1: probably be on that, my next book. Too bad you won't get credit for that. That's terrible.
0: <laughs> You'll get all the credit. <laughs> I have documentation right now <laughs> and all of the viewers who are watching as well. So we have some questions that have come okay. in that I want to get to before we end today. Okay. And the first... <clears throat> excuse me. The first question that comes in is a woman says, my husband's been having an affair since February and he's trying his hardest to hide the fact that he's involved with his other person. But every time I ask what he wants, he says he doesn't know what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, number one, quit asking that question There you go. because he doesn't know mm. people who are in limerence typically are highly emotionally confused. Mm-hmm. So that's the wrong question. Now I'm assuming that, uh, since she's asking that question that he knows, she knows that he's in the extramarital affair. Right.
0: But she you says he's trying his hardest to hide.
1: He's trying his hardest to hide it, which means either that he doesn't know that, you know, or that he knows, you know, but somehow he thinks he's fooling you that he has somehow stopped it. Right. That's the problem. with getting a written question. I can't ask yeah. those questions either way. It's not going to work for you to say, what is it that you really want? Cause I'll, I'm telling you, having been where he is, that when he says, I don't know, he's telling you the absolute truth. He doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He is emotionally confused. Now, unfortunately, I can't give you everything that you should do because it's it's really a process. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain that process in three minutes. Uh, I do recommend, you first of all, you come to our website, Marriage Helper. That's marriagehelper.com. There are many free articles, many free podcasts, many free e-books. And you can read through those if you will. And, and what you're going to do right now, if you really want this to work, is stop, quit pushing. And Kimberly is a really uh, extremely good at communicating what that means stop the push behavior to be, and to have a smart contact, etc. all of which we can't answer for you right now. So short answer, he's telling you the truth. He doesn't know longer answer. There's some things you need to understand. This can be rescuable, mm-hmm. uh, but you'll have to get a lot more of our resources than I can offer you right now. One final thing if indeed the situation is that he's having the affair, you know, but he doesn't know, you know, be very careful. Because if you confront him and say, I know you're having the affair, if you have the evidence, because you have snooped, like you hit a GPS in his car, you've been sneaking his phone at night, looking at his messages. In other words, if you've been doing something that he will perceive as being a violation of his privacy, when you confront him with that, it's not going to be about what he's doing. And all likelihood it's all going to be about you invading his privacy. He'll actually use that to keep from dealing with the issue. And so if you do know he's having the affair, I strongly urge you not to do any snooping about that because that can strongly backfire against you. People say, should I ever snoop? Sure. If you're ready to divorce, go ahead, snoop all you want to, get all the evidence you want. But if you really want to make this marriage work, it's probably going to backfire on you. So be careful about using information like that if you confront him.
0: Mm, That's good. We have another question that's come in and the woman says, my spouse claims to love the affair partner, but still wants to work on our marriage. Mm -hmm. However, he lives with the affair partner and refuses to leave her. How are we supposed to work on us when he is living with her?
1: Okay. The thing we were talking about just a moment ago about this emotional confusion. Mm Mm-hmm. Perfect example. (laughs) This is the perfect example of that emotional confusion. Now, you see, if we were going to analyze all the potential courses that this might take, and, and, and there's going to be more than I can do right here at the moment, one would be, okay, is he telling you he still wants to make things work with you or he still loves you just to get you to back off so he can do what he wants to do? That's one thing we'd examine. In other words, what he's saying to you is that just to get you to back off and leave him alone so he can establish that new relationship just like he wants to establish it. Right. Assuming that that's not the case, assuming he's not trying to manipulate you, then we start looking at, okay, then this man has some very extremely conflicting emotions. That happens. I've been there. I know how that feels. The kind of love that he feels toward her that's keeping her at Keeping him with her is this intense stuff that we've been talking about this whole program. The kind of love that would want to bring him back to you is not that same kind of ecstasy misery love. It's deeper. It's got roots to it. And he's got enough sense at least at this point to understand that that's something he doesn't really want to lose. Now, what do you do next? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't answer that here in the short period of time we have left. If you want to look on our website, I'm assuming we've got some stuff on our website about a thing called the Valley, V A L L E Y, the Valley. And if indeed your husband is in the Valley, then we can give you suggestions about what you do. I know I've done some podcasts about the Valley. I'm just not sure mm-hmm. if I've written any articles about the Valley.
0: I don't think you have.
1: So if you go to marriagehelper.com and look for us by podcast or spreaker.com mm-hmm. or iTunes, look for marriage radio on iTunes, marriage radio on Google play, Mm -hmm. look for the Valley, look for that topic, the Valley. It'll give you some insight into this where I talk about that in much more detail. Now, after you listen to that, if you go, I'm not sure if that's us, I'm still confused, then call us. Talk to one of our client reps. Now our client reps will not be a coach. Don't misunderstand. They're not going to spend like an hour every time you call trying to help you understand this, but our client reps, what we train them to do and what they're very equipped to do is to guide you toward whatever resource you need next. Like, Oh, okay. Based on what you're telling me, it's probably a good idea. If you got, if you try our online course, because it can help you with this, or based on what you're telling me, it probably a good idea for you to deal with one of our coaches who can guide you or the workshop, if he's willing to come or to say, you know, the one you're dealing with, we actually can't help you with. So here's what you should look for in terms of resource to help you with what you're helping. Because we're a 501c3 nonprofit. Our goal is not to take your money. Mm-hmm. our goal is to help you save your marriage. And so you might just want to call our toll free number. that it'll come up on the screen here um, at some point and call that number and say, can I speak to a client rep understanding he or she is not going to be your coach or counselor. You're not going to be able to spend an hour with them or even 30 minutes with them, but in 15 minutes or so, they'll understand enough of your story. What's happening with you to guide you to whatever resource is the best for you and they're not trying to sell you that. They'll just guide you to because it might not even be us. It might be some other resource and say, that's probably the best for you right now.
0: Yeah, that's good. And another big thing that people have a question about in this type of situation is they want to try and force their spouse's hand to come home. So they start implementing what people call boundaries. We did a Facebook live about this a couple of weeks ago where we redefined what boundaries should mean, redefined them for our organization. But if that's a place where you are right now where you're really wanting to try and force your spouse's hand, try and get them to come back, try and do something in order to instill consequences and you have questions about that, I'm doing a webinar about that tonight. And I'm actually I am. Yes. And so I'm actually gonna post the link if you want to register for that in the comment section. Um, I just posted that. So if you want to join, join us. We'll be taking questions. I'll be explaining the seven new steps that you need to consider before you set boundaries. Uh,
1: I don't even know what those are, so that's great. <laughs> I'd like to hear those. Perfect. So how much is this webinar?
0: No, It's nothing. <laughs> it's free. So people
1: can sign up for it for free. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So it'll be tonight at 830 Central Time. And it's, I mean, here at Marriage Helper, we value your time. And so... We believe that you spending an hour with us as answering your questions, that is, that means more coming from you than money could.
1: So you're going to offer them, you're going to explain to them seven steps they can use right now.
0: Yeah, a lot of them are questions to ask themselves. So think okay. this through before you implement a boundary. And then once you do implement that boundary, here's the follow-ups that you need to do. And we're going to be talking about things like, um, what, what kind of boundaries should you set? How many boundaries should you set? Let's think about boundaries a new way. We're going to talk about the way we now talk about them at marriage helper, which mm-hmm. is much better. Um, but we're starting with that word boundaries because that's what everyone knows. Yeah,
1: people use that, but well, we're going to redefine that for you. Actually, yeah. So, okay. Some people are watching live and they're great. I'll sign up. Mm-hmm. Other people are going to see this next week. Yeah, the webinar is over. <laughs> so when they look down at that link,
0: can, can it be, lead
1: them, the webinar will be gone. Yeah, it'll be gone. <laughs> so therefore, if you have friends, I, I didn't know. I'm asking out of curiosity. I really didn't know. Yeah. So if you have friends that would benefit from this webinar, you need to call them Yeah, now.
0: share the link with them. Yep,
1: send them that link, the link right now and say, this is tonight, you can't get to it later. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually thought they could get to it later. I didn't know any better.
0: Okay. <laughs> if there was a way I could figure that out, then... I'd figure it out. But. but
1: make your schedule fit. That's going to be really yeah. good. And send it to your friends and invite them to be there. Is there a limit? To how many people can actually get on? We
0: it? only take, yes, there is a limit. So be sure to sign up and be sure to get there early to ensure your spot. Our system only allows for a certain amount of people. Oh,
1: so once it hits that, even if I signed up for it, I can't get into it?
0: You have to be there early. Wow. Okay. So get there early. Okay. And good. that's because
1: our system has limits on it. Not yeah, because we, we can't control limit that. you, it's the system itself. <laughs> right. Okay. All
0: right. We can't control it. Yeah, but it'll be, it'll be a great webinar. So be sure to sign up for that. Um, okay. So another question someone has is, can you give more insight on affairs that are at the five year mark? We never moved out or separated. Could they still be in stage two after five years?
1: Could they be? Anything's possible but in all likelihood Mm -hmm. they are not. You say, what do you mean? Well, if they've been in an affair five years and still living with the spouse, Mm -hmm. it's probably not at this point, intense limits where they're going through these, these emotional roller coasters in all likelihood. And of course I don't know the situation. So I'm speaking speculatively here. Understand? I'm not saying I know exactly what's happening. I'm telling you that this is probably what's happening. And that is if they're at five years, they're in the Valley. What that means is I have a relationship with this other person that is fulfilling me in some fashion. I have a relationship with you that is fulfilling me in some fashion. Therefore I still live with you and enjoy some of the benefits of marriage, even if they're not having sex with you, or maybe they are, but I'm enjoying some of the benefits of marriage because I'm here with you. We live in the same house. Uh, we're still friends basically. And if you have children, I've got an interaction with them but you tolerate my behavior of being involved with this other person. And and there's some kind of a need or desire that he or she's fulfilling. Therefore I continue to stay in relationship with him. Now that's a classic example of the Valley. Again, go to iTunes and look for marriage radio and look for one of our podcasts on the Valley or Google play. If if you're an Android person and look for that, if you can't find it any other way, call, look, go to Spreaker, look for marriage radio there. S P R E A K E R.com and if you can't find it there you call us <laughs> and talk to one of our client reps who will find that link and send it to you and and because uh, in that situation 5 years there's very likely something you need to do as a matter of fact you would be a perfect person to be in this webinar tonight to hear mm-hmm. what Kimberly going to be talking yeah, that about
0: that would be good that mm-hmm. would be good and also just because we have some other people asking the questions about this you can go back and forth between these stages. Even when you get to stage three, which we'll talk about next week, you can be in stage three, come back to stage two, be in stage two, go back to stage one, all of that kind of stuff. It's not linear. It's
1: <laughs> no, it's, circular. it's emotional. It's not <laughs> linear. And they go like this and then like this, and over here like this, or they're like, yeah, you know, it's a, Yeah. therefore when people say, tell me exactly where my spouse is, you mean this minute? Right. <laughs> because it can move, uh, and typically is not going to last any more than 36 months yeah. from beginning to end. And most of them don't last that long. Uh, yeah. it could last a little longer for some people, but those, well, I'm just saying that if you call us and say, tell me exactly where he is, exactly where she is, our response is going to be, you have to check with God about that right? because we don't have that kind of ability. We can give you the general principles, right? but we can't tell you exactly where he is. And even if we could, it could move backwards or forward tomorrow.
0: Right. It's like, let me give my cat a ball of yarn, let him play with it all over the living room, and that's what it looks like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Except Great. with a little bit of a pattern. A <laughs> little bit of a pattern, and I don't
0: have a cat. But <laughs> other than that, that's so good. We had someone comment who recently came to the workshop. She said, my, the Marriage Helper Workshop gave my husband and I the tools we needed to make our marriage stronger. Strongly encourage you all to sign up. Awesome. We we love. That's
1: fantastic. Wonderful.
0: Love hearing that. And then for the final question that we'll take, the final comment, which is actually me setting everyone up for next week. Oh, okay. Is my wife is so wrapped up in her own guilt and what she has done. It's hard for her to let go of her own mistakes. How does she let it go? And how can I help?
1: Well, we will get into that some in our next program next Monday. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe we'll give away three or four, maybe five of of one of my books that deals with this. You see, I actually wrote a book after Alice and I got back together. I left Alice because of limerence. I actually left Alice for another woman back years ago. And, and uh, after we'd gotten back together and gotten healthy again and gotten strong, I wrote some books, one of which was a book to help me get past that guilt. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we'll give a few of those books away awesome. on the next program based on the questions that we get, the interactions we get, I'll actually send you one. Uh, if you want me to, I'll autograph it for you. Uh, not that it makes it more valuable, it actually makes it harder to sell, <laughs> but I'll be glad to autograph it for you if you wish. And, and we'll send that to you as a gift. And for this woman, for example, who's having mm-hmm. that, um, maybe we'll go ahead if we can find out who she is and send one to her anyway, just because you asked the question to set that up. So, uh, uh, contact us by calling. You have a, an ID there, or a name yep, or whatever. I have his name. Okay. So if you call our, our toll free number and say, I'm the person, they'll actually check with Kimberly's records to make sure you're really that person. And we'll go ahead and send her a book right now. If, if you believe that she will read it, mm-hmm. I don't want to send it to you if you think she won't. But I will if she will.
0: Yeah, that book is called Getting Past Guilt. It's an awesome, awesome book. I'll tell you that um, thankfully, so far in my life, there hasn't been something that I felt super guilty about and I've had to get over. But it was absolutely transformative in me understanding other people Mm -hmm. and the way they feel about things and how they process stuff. And so it's just an awesome book. And I'm not just saying that because Joe's sitting with me. I'm saying that because it really was. It's awesome.
1: Actually, the highest compliment I ever got on that book, years after it came out, my mother said, I just read that book and it really helped me. I have no idea
0: Hmm.
1: what she was thinking about, but it it was like the highest compliment I ever got. And somehow it helped my mom deal with something.
0: That's cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, next week we are going to be talking about the third phase of limerence, which is called deterioration. So you're going to want to hear that. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be giving away books, which is super exciting. But until then, if there's anything we can do to help, we're always here for you. You can visit marriagehelper.com. You can give us a call at 866-903-0990. And our team will do everything and anything we can to give you help, to give you hope, and to help you save your marriage. Mm -hmm. So until next week, have a good one. We'll see you next time. Yeah, and be
1: on that webinar tonight.
0: Yeah, join the (laughs) webinar tonight. See you next time.